0: Healing power, he says, I'm, I'm in this room. He says, I am a healer now. Some of you listening right now, live or maybe delayed. The Lord just showed me the bronchial, the bronch, the bronchial passages, the lungs, the, the tributaries that come out of that. And the Lord says, I want to touch bronchitis, anything that has to do with breathing issues. Even asthma, allergies, but like bronchial attack on the bronchial system there, the Lord says. Uh, the infection there, the Lord says, I want to touch your, the bronchial system whatever however it is affected and i just want you if you're saying you know what i've had a lingering cough or i tend to suffer in that way you know, right now the lord just wants to clear he's like clearing up the breathing to deep breaths and he wants to put his breath in you right now holy spirit you're just Without a shadow of a doubt, I know the Lord said, I want to clear up your bronchial system. I want the bronchitis to go, pneumonia to go, whatever, COVID to go, whatever it may be, flu to go, bad cold that's actually really uh, disabling to you, Go, in the name of Jesus, go. Nothing is too small for our God, and He's wanting to intervene right now. Holy Spirit, you care. You care. Now, Maybe reach out in faith and believe God. Reach out right now in faith. Put your hand on your chest and say, Lord, I believe. I believe. Deep breath. Deep breath. Fill them, Lord. Fill them, Father, with your breath right now. Come on, let's sing this. Oh, God.
1: Oh, God, my God, I need you. Oh, God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh, rock, oh, rock of ages, I'm standing. captives.
2: Are you standing on his faithfulness this morning? You know, the words of that song, I love it, you can be seated. The words of that song are, are really amazing because it talks about the multi-generational approach of how God is there for us. You know, we will oftentimes we read scripture and we'll read about the great things that God did in Moses' life, and Pastor Lynn's going to be preaching out of that this morning, but we we forget that he's the same God that was back there, who is here now. He's the same God that healed the lepers is the same God that can heal you. He's the same God that restored the woman with the issue of blood that can touch your immune system right now. You know, I I love these names around the sanctuary, you know, because they remind us of who God not was, who He is. You know, a lot of times we think it's past tense. Well, God used to do this, and God used to do that. Well, you know what? If you read scripture, I don't care what culture tells us. I don't care if people will sing songs about how God used to be alive. God is alive, and he does the same thing yesterday, today, and forevermore. And and, and as we're worshiping this morning, you know, I, I was thinking about the names of God and how he is our banner over us, how he is our healer. How he is our deliverer. How he is our righteousness. How, and I love that he's our shepherd. Think about that. When you're out wandering, he's there just keeping you in, keeping the wolves away. You don't even know it. It's things that he's protecting you from that you're totally unaware of. And I want to challenge us this morning because God wants to do something powerful. And I, I felt the same thing as my wife this morning that there was just healing in the house. You know, the, one of the, the, the scriptures says there's healing in his wings. You know? I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm a bird guy. Ask my family. I, we'll be driving, and I'll be driving down the road, and I'll go, look, a hawk. And like, my, even my daughter-in-law makes fun of me now because we'll be driving with her, and she, if she's sitting up front, she's always going like this, like there's a bird somewhere. But I always think of the Lord, how he created animals to fly. And when they stretch out their wings, there's a shadow under the wing. And when the sun shines down upon the wings of a bird, you can see the shadow, which is larger. And I'll tell you, God wants to do something larger in your life this morning. He wants to release healing. And I don't know who you are, but if that was you that that, that she shared uh, respiratory issues, who was that? Was that anyone in here on online? Okay, we got a couple over here. I don't know if there's back here a couple of people. You know, Lord, we just release right now. The divine healer you are not you were but you are jehovah Rapha. you are the god that heals us through your stripes we are healed through the shedding of your blood lord you brought redemption and you brought healing and lord your word tells us that you are the god who heals not some diseases but you are the god who heals all diseases so lord we just lay out all of those diseases in front of you and say, do your thing, Lord. You do what you do best. You provide healing, Lord. You provide restoration. You provide renewal. I think of the the Old Testament... anticipation of the coming of the Messiah, that he would be the one who heals the sick and and raises up the lame. And Lord, that's who you were, and that's who you are today. And so Lord, I pray over my brothers and sisters, even those that may be listening to this uh, delayed, Lord, I pray that your spirit would just speak through this word to them, that God, there would be healing and restoration in their bodies. And Lord, I, I speak against not just respiratory issues, but I speak against uh, diseases in the blood system, Lord God. I speak against cancer, Lord God. We speak against leukemia, Lord God. We speak against God. I speak against uh, lossness, uh, loss of hearing, Lord, and I speak against muscular issues, Lord. That God, you're gonna, you're gonna weave together. The, the body parts of those that believe in you for supernatural healing, Lord. And they're going to testify of your goodness and your mercy and your loving kindness, Lord. And Father, I just pray that, Father, we would have the faith to believe that you can do exceedingly abundantly above what we imagine or ask. Lord, I know for a fact that you're going to heal people in their, their breathing. And and even like Pastor Lynn said last week, how the Lord, you you healed my, my, my snoring which I was snoring for 30 plus years. God, you touched me and you healed it. Lord, if you could do it for me, you could do it for anybody. And Lord, I pray over people's lives and their bodies right now. May the precious, precious touch of Jesus rest upon them. May that nail-scarred hand reach out and touch and heal and restore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Aren't you glad the Lord loves you? Aren't you glad the Lord cares for you? You know, aren't you glad that when no one else knows what's going on, the Lord says, hey, I got something. I know. I know you're dealing with this, and I want to touch it, and I want to heal it. You know, I was telling first service this morning that, uh, you know, the, one of the passages in Scripture is cast your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. And a lot of times we forget that. We think it's, it's he cares for someone else and we see someone else go through a, tr- a trial or tribulation and then all of a sudden God touches them but it's like, well, what about me? You know, how many of you remember the movie Toy Story? You know, you remember the little toys and the, the thing and the claws coming down and what were they saying? Choose me, choose me. Well, that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to reach out with anticipation for what he could do in your life. And, and God's got, I mean, miracles that he wants to perform you know and I'm excited for that we're glad you're here this morning uh, if you didn't get a announcement or a bulletin sheet grab one on your way out we want to continue to uh, welcome those that are coming here those that are, we have a, it's it's crazy we have a lot of people online uh, we have people that watch online that that would probably never physically be in our facility because they live in p- different parts of the world in different parts of the states we want to welcome them as well I want to encourage you to, if you watch us online, share the Crossroads uh, Facebook uh, posting because it actually it, it sends it out to the network of other people. And that's a great way to, to uh, spread the word of what we're doing. We have a lot of things going on. Uh, if uh, you are gonna be in the area for Christmas, we're gonna have both a Christmas Eve service and a Christmas Day service because uh, in 2022, Christmas is on a Sunday. So on Saturday evening, uh, we'll be meeting here at 5 p.m., We'll have a, a, a candlelight, carols, communion, and just a, a, a reading of the Christmas story. It's kind of become a, a Christmas tradition here. And then Sunday morning, we're going to have a joint service at 10 a.m., not 9 or 8.30 or 10.30, 10 a.m. And it'll just be a time of worshiping the Lord, a great way to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then right after that is New Year's, y'all know, right? And then in January, we start our Daniel fast. Every year we've been doing this. Uh, This is, I think, the eighth or ninth year we've done it. And uh, we'll be doing our Daniel fast. And part of the Daniel fast, we're going to be having a baptism in the Holy Spirit retreat down in San Juan Bautista. And we want to encourage you now, if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, or if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you haven't maintained that, and you've allowed that to dry up, or you just want a a fresh outpouring, I want to encourage you right now. Uh, Schedule your time. We're giving you enough time so you can schedule time off work. It is a Thursday night and a Friday. Uh, We want to have you there. It's a time of saturation in the things of the Spirit. Uh, Right now, every single person that's come has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We've had a couple that have been baptized in the Spirit before they got there, and they still came, and then it was a double portion on them. So I want to encourage you to do that. If you know someone that's been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to really encourage you, invite them and come with them and be that prayer partner with them and help them to br- get through that breakthrough if you would. Uh, we also wanna share with you our ministry partners, uh, Alvin and Lacey uh, and their family. They're in the Muslim world. They're doing a great ministry there. We wanna continue to pray for them. Uh, we have both partners both here and abroad and they are great people. They, uh, we've known them, actually, actually Lacey was like a daughter to us. She uh, uh, is a longtime friend and the church has picked them up. They're supporting them. They're doing a great work. And look at, look at the size of their family. Talk about church growth right there. But they are uh, a great family. They have a newborn little girl total of five children Uh, keep them in your prayers because they're in a context of ministry that is very antagonistic to the gospel and uh, they're great people they're leading people into salvation they're leading people into the fullness of the Spirit and uh, we want to continue to lift them in prayer and then the the local ministry that we want to pray for we want to pray for the healing ministry of Crossroads well you say well Pastor David I didn't know we had a healing ministry well we do matter of fact this house is not just a house of spiritual healing but it's a house of physical healing and mental healing and emotional healing. And you know who is part of that? Look around. See everyone here? You're all part of that. This is a ministry that we all participate in. That if you're with someone that's not feeling well and they tell you, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling good today or something's going on with my body, ask them if you could pray with them. You know, it's not just for the superstars to do it, you know. It's for all of us because it's not your reputation it's his reputation that's at stake and he wants you to step out in faith and believe him that he is Jehovah Rapha the God who heals and I tell you what I've prayed for people that weren't even believers and God's healed them and they're like how do you do that it's not me it's Christ in me and so I want to encourage you to do that if you have any plans for uh, year-end giving that you want to give, uh, we have to have those for tax purposes by the end of December on the 31st by noon when the office closes. If you want to give, there's multiple ways you can give. You can give, uh, you can mail it in. You could do it in person here in service. You could do it on online at our, our, our Crossroads uh, uh, website. Thank you. It's- going brain dead here pray for my my cellular regeneration of my brain you know uh and you can also do it through zelle and so uh the reason we started doing zelle is because paypal taking 2.3 percent and if you want to give 100 percent, you can do it that way uh talk to one of the pastors and we'll help you get hooked up with zelle and i want to thank you for your faithfulness uh, you know God has been very good to this church over the years. I remember when we first came, there was like if we found two pennies to rub together, it was considered a miracle. And God has done miracle-working things. And I want to show you. Go to the next slide. This is a, this is a great story of a, a pastor, that the gentleman there, uh, our brother in the brown jacket. Uh, he is a pastor in Nepal and we went to visit him he's got a thriving church down in chitwan in the chitwan national forest there and uh, when he was 14 years old he came to faith he was walking in in nepal and found a gospel track on the ground picked it up read it and believed it he went home and and told his father his father was a, the tribal witch doctor and his father told him that he couldn't do that because he was going to be the next witch doctor for the village. And he said, I can't do that because I know this is truth. And we started sharing the gospel in the village. The village started beating him up because he was the first believer in the area. And then his father came out and kind of protected him from that. But his father basically told him, if you want anything, you, you, either, you either renounce your, 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 your trust in Jesus or I'm not going to do anything for you. And he says, well, I'm not going to renounce my trust in Jesus. So anything he wanted, he'd ask his father and his, his father to say, you ask Jesus. And Jesus provided everything for him. And when it was time for him, when he wanted to get married in that culture, the father will arrange a marriage for his son. And he asked his father, and his, he said, well, if you want to get married, you ask Jesus to provide a wife. And go to the next slide. Uh, I think it's the next slide. Uh, that's a picture of his wife. The Lord provided a godly Christian woman. And uh, he has started planting churches, and he has four churches he's planted. He started telling us his story, and he said that he goes to his church, and he has one in the village he lives in, but that the other three are uh, distant, and he would walk sometimes two two days to get to them. As a matter of fact, I just got a text message from Samuel, the pastor that was with him in the first picture. Uh, he took a seven-hour a car ride and then hiked six hours into the jungle to one of the churches where we're building a church and that's that's the ministry that they do and and so he was telling us the story and i said you know the lord just spoke to me and says you know we got to buy this guy a motorcycle and we tried to buy him a motorcycle there but none of the motorcycle dealerships could take a credit card they didn't have a credit card reader and i didn't have the money so we he asked well i said when we get home we'll send you the money And in the time when we left till the time we got home, the price of the motorcycle went down $400. And so we actually sent him, he actually picked out a black motorcycle, but I think he liked his his lol red one a little bit better, you know, Uh, he picked that one out. But that is the the fourth fourth motorcycle we've purchased for pastors that, and just think about it, instead of having to walk two days, he could jump on his bike, it's a 125cc, and he can get there in just a matter of probably a couple hours. And God is good, and that's why I wanted to show you this, because the the funds that you give are spreading the gospel in places that you and I may never set foot, or set tire in this case, uh, but we're we're spreading the gospel, and so I want to thank you for that. If you have any desire to uh, give to that, I know there's many other pastors that uh, need a motorcycle, and I was telling Rick in first service, how beautiful are the treads of those that bring the gospel. You know, uh, that's what we want to do, spreading the gospel everywhere we go. Amen. We're going to wait upon you for your tithes and offering this morning. want to encourage you. We thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Uh, Ushers are going to come forward, and let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to sow not just into the South Valley, but also into the, the states and into the nations, Lord. And I pray that you would take this offering, bless each gift and giver, Lord. Those that are giving out of abundance, may they have more and may they sow more. And Lord, those that are giving out of need, may you multiply what they have so that they can be faithful stewards, not just in giving, but in the resources that are in their hands. And Lord, I pray as a church, as a community of faith, that we will be good stewards and managers of these resources so that the kingdom of God could be advanced. And we ask your blessing now, both on the gift and the giver, in Christ's name, Amen. God bless you as you give.
1: Oh God, my God.
0: Yesterday, today, and forever. You know, the truth is this when we read scripture, we're not reading just a historical text, although it is the history of our faith. We are reading about a God who performs the same types of miracles that he did then in 2022. Amen, Pastor Lynn. I'm going to, yeah, I need an amen corner today, you know. Yeah, I'm going to get you guys, I'm gonna, you're going to digest all those carbs, all that stuffing, all that uh, mashed potatoes you had this last week, and hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving holiday. I'm going to talk to you about walking by faith, not by sight. That is our journey as a believer. When you stepped into receiving Christ, you stepped into a life of faith, You know, what happened in the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve is that they had walked with God in the cool of the evening. Scripture tells us that. But when sin came into the world, they disconnected from the priority, the spiritual priority. Actually, it says that they spiritually died. And what happened was, is they became obsessed or focused in, fixated on the physical realm. Even in their response, as they were aware of their nakedness and all of these things, they became very aware of the physical realm. And a lot of times, one of the greatest challenges for us as the children of God, as believers, is that it's not the priority of the physical realm. It's a priority of what God is doing in the spirit realm. See, that's what it means to walk by faith, not by sight. Guess what? You do not have all the information. Even if you think you do, and you see a lot around you, you do not have all the information. But you know what? You know the one who does. He has all the information. He has all the facts. He sees all, and his desire for his children is to walk by faith, not by sight. Paul writes this in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5-7. For we live or walk by faith, not by sight. The truth is this. You we're always on the increase of this. The Lord is about increasing our faith. We are not to be stagnant in our walk. Concerns me many times. Very concerning as a pastor. Maybe even one of the burdens of of being a shepherd and a pastor is seeing people who are um, robust in their desire for more of the Lord. And then you see them um, become a little bit less robust and pretty soon lukewarm. And then pretty soon what's happening is that they once again are fixated on the physical realm. You see that, that trajectory happen. It's so important that we are on the ever-increasing. You know, the honest truth is you're never really stagnant. You're either decreasing or increasing. That's how it works. And the Lord wants us to be on the increase in our faith. And so to do that, there are challenges in our lives that are presented to us you know, the father of the faith, of our faith, and as many of you know, and I I am not ashamed of it, although there is a rise in anti-Semitism. I don't know if you're aware of that, but there's an incredible rise of anti-Semitism in uh, the world, and specifically in the U.S., but I'm not ashamed of being a Jew. Uh, Actually, I feel like it's a privilege to actually be related to some of these people we sing about, so it's actually a privilege, but our, but you all as believers are engrafted into the faith. You are just, it's as important as I am to the faith, right? And our Father and mother is Abraham and Sarah. Scripture says this. Now, in Isaiah 51-2, the prophet tells the people to look to uh, your Abraham, your father. It says this, look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who gave you birth. When I called him, he was but one. Then I blessed him and multiplied him. Look to your father and mother, the father and mother of the faith. People who stepped out before they remember they didn't have the Torah they didn't have the Pentateuch they didn't have they stepped out by God calling them as we read Genesis 12 1 says the call the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country your people and your father's household to the land I will show you I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you I will make your name great and you will be a blessing this is the call of Abraham This is before everything else happened. He and Sarah are the father and mother of our faith. You know, it's interesting when Pastor David told the story of our brother in the jungle of Chitwan and how he's planted four churches. And how as a young teenager, he uh, became to faith all on his own. He had no one to nurture his faith. All he had was a track and he had Jesus who he believed in. And it reminded me, it's kind of like Abraham and Sarah of that area, that region. That he had to walk in alone without a lot of nurturance. But we have the same God, right? The same God. The same God that's doing that in nations even today, in nations that have never even heard yet. Did you know there are people groups that have not yet heard the name of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, and how God uh, brings people like a young man, a young Nepalese man to pick up a track in the trash, and he comes to faith, how God does that still. He is the same God that calls out Abraham and Sarah. He's the father of our faith, Abraham and Sarah, and we're to look to them. And the storyline, as you know, Abraham, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know the story. And how Jacob had sons, how through Jacob there was a multiplication of sons. He had multiple sons, one of which was Joseph. You know the story of Joseph, how Joseph was sold by his brothers because of jealousy into uh, To trafficking, and how God had used that thing in Joseph's life to make him great in Egypt. He became second in command to the Pharaoh. We know that story. It's a powerful story. And how Joseph, as a result of that situation, brought his father and his brothers and their families into Egypt to Goshen to protect them. And in that land, they flourished as Joseph still remains second in command. We know that story. It's a powerful story. But we also know what ends up happening. That Joseph dies, leadership shifts, and Israel in Goshen, in Egypt, becomes a threat to the Pharaoh, becomes a threat to the Egyptians, and therefore they become slaves to the Egyptians. But you know what? God had intended to use that. God intended for the one thing that used to be like a womb or a cocoon for Israel to protect them from the famine now became a prison to them because it was time for them to move on. It was time for change to happen. A lot of times as humans, you know what the truth is this? We don't want change unless we have to have change. Until we get miserable. You know, even like we, we, we become tolerant of certain things, tolerate things. Because change can be so uncomfortable. And you know what? God does use things in our lives, circumstances in our lives, to prod us on towards change. To step out. And you know what the Lord is saying to us as we are uh, being spoken to his word is that the Lord wants to bring us in to his promise, the land that I am giving to you. See, for Israel, Egypt was not the land that God had promised. And so for, in order for God to fulfill his promise, he had to make Israel, the people, his children, uncomfortable. He had to allow the misery because they weren't going to do it until they got miserable. So in order for us to step into what God has for us, to fulfill things, to increase our faith, a lot of times we got to step out of the old thing. Step out of the old thing. And here in this case, Israel began to believe, the people of Israel began to believe that they were slaves. They thought like slaves. They behaved like slaves. They had fear like slaves. But the truth was this, they were royalty, They were God's children. And in order for God to bring that to pass, that revelation, he had to allow them to feel a little miserable. In order for them to to step out like he was going to have them do, they had to realize their need for him. We can be pretty self-sufficient. We can many times as human beings, and yes, in 2022, I don't know, maybe even more so in 2022, we can do everything possible to try to keep our boat from a rockin'. You know what I mean? Keep it from a rockin'. And that, and that means that a lot of times we're unwilling to step out in faith because most of the time when we're stepping out of, of, in faith, we're going to rock the boat. We're going to rock the boat of our circumstances, of our lives, of our finances. Maybe it's God says, you're going to give more this year. I'm going to step out in faith and giving. Well, where am I going to get it? It's going to rock the boat of my budget. Come on. See, the fact is this, we don't, or, or being used by God, stepping into a ministry, stepping into, to a greater uh, anointing that God has for you, whatever it may be, it's going to rock your boat, But part of God fulfilling his promise to you is prodding you forward so you increase in faith. And that's what he was doing here. He allowed them to be miserable, so they finally cried out for change. They had to cry out. Exodus 2.23, during that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. I'm going to say this. God develops or causes change in our life, not externally as the priority, but internally. I have been a pastor for a long time, and I've noticed that people don't want internal change, so they will shift externally. And did you know you bring everything that you are to that situation? I need a new job. You know, that was miserable. And then I go to the new job and I'm miserable there. You know why? Because internally you're the same. New marriage, new church, new community, new house, new state, whatever. And God saying, no, wait a minute. It's not about external change. It's about internal change. Because when you're internally changed, what happens is, is that you bring something new to the table right there in your same situation. You know, even in a family, let me just say that I'm going to preach this differently, I think, for the second service. I, it was really good, the first service, but I, I think I'm going to preach it differently. Because most importantly, the Lord wants to tell something to you. Not whether this is refined, but whether he, he's speaking. I remember in my journey as a minister, prophetically, I was not functioning. I'm a very prophetic person now. I function in the gift there and even in some ways leadership. But there came a time where I had to start functioning prophetically and it was uncomfortable. God didn't remove me from the ministry setting that I was in. God did not remove me from the family I was in, but it was me who changed internally and as a result began to cause the surrounding things to alter because inside I had changed. I had committed to something that God had told me to do and it was uncomfortable. And other people said, wow, you are changing the way that you're functioning And it was uncomfortable at first to them because it was new for them. A lot of times we want God to change our externals so that we're not uncomfortable internally. But honestly, the Lord begins in the internal. And I'm going to show you how he does this with Moses before he ever gets to the external change. He starts with the internal change. Don't go looking for the I'm miserable, pestilent, so I need an external change. You know what God's saying? We got some work to do internally. We got some ways you're thinking that need to change. We got some attitude that needs to change. We have the Ephesians 4.23 that you are now a new creation and you now have a new attitude of the mind. You no longer function the way that you used to function. Even in our trajectory of growth and walking by faith, we should be growing and changing. It's not to be stagnant. There is not one person I know on this earth that has arrived. We have not arrived. We are on the ever increase of faith in God and the, the pouring out of that faith through an anointing in our lives. See, the Lord wants to change us and he begins with our thoughts and the truth is this. When you're blaming the externals, you're living in denial of the internal that needs to be changed. Who is it going to be quiet in here On, online? Are you all quiet in your house, whatever? No, it, it's starting here. Starting here. And this has to do Why does God want to change us internally? Because He wants to fulfill His promise to you. You know, what He has spoken to your lives, you know, we're a prophetic house, so just refer to that. You received a prophetic word or the promise in Scripture. That's to all of us. He wants to fulfill His promise to you. Did you know this? You may forget what God has said, but He doesn't forget what He has said to you. He does not forget what He has spoken to you. Let me give you some examples. You say, well, Pastor Lynn, I've never received a prophetic word. Well, let me show you some promises that are for you right now. John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life is your promise. John 15, 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What is God's promise to you? For your life in 2022 to bear much fruit. Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's your promise. Those, all those things, I just randomly chose a few promises that are yours. You say, well, I've never received a prophetic word. Those promises belong to you. The Lord has you on a faith walk, ever increasing your faith to live those promises out. It's for his glory. It's his design for his children. That's why he placed his Holy Spirit in you. That's why he's the same God. He is with you in your journey, just like he was with Moses in his journey. And sometimes we got to get a little miserable. Because what we start to do is tolerate. Well, not life abundantly, but okay. We start to tolerate things Trying to make things work because we're actually functioning in the physical realm. We're walking by sight and not by faith. So we accept and tolerate certain captivity in our lives rather than saying, wait a minute. This isn't what God promised. So I'm going to allow the misery that I am experiencing to, to Project me toward walking by faith and, and, and relieving that which doesn't belong there anymore. And he does this with Israel. They finally cry out. They're ready for change. And so he, God chooses a leader. We know the leader is Moses. And Moses actually was from Egypt. You know the story. But he's been in the desert for a while, actually decades, about 40 years. He's lived in Midian, Midian Desert. He's a shepherd there. He's out with his sheep. And one day he sees a burning bush. Now, it isn't the fact that there is fire in the desert that's the troubling or the, the, the exceptional situation. But it's the fact that the bush does not burn up. The bush continues to burn. And it says here, Exodus 3, 3 through 4. You know what the first thing that happens? Let's look at this. So Moses thought in his head. He sees the burning bush, but he sees that it doesn't burn up. So Moses thought... I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. He tells us what the strange sight is. It's not the fire. It's that the fire remains and does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Now, Many times we just don't read scripture close enough. Moses thought. He could have bypassed it. He could have kept going on. But in his day in and day out life of a shepherd, he had a new thought. Did you know when God shows up, the very first thing in order for us to respond to him is right here. And Moses thought, what are you thinking about right now? Are you thinking I can't wait? I, I, I have some turkey at home that's left over. I got to eat it up before it's, but what are you thinking about right now? The fact is this, you got a burning bush right here. Now you can walk past it and pretend that it's not there and go on your merry way. Or you can go over and say, you know what? I'm going to find out what God has to say or what is going on here. There is something different that is going on here that's not like, before, and Moses thought. See, his thoughts, this is true. His thoughts provided action. Because not only does he thought think something, he does something about it. He's in the same place. He's in this place where he's, his sheep have been eating probably day in and day out. He's in the same place, but God is... There and there's something different that God wants to do. And he grabs, God grabs Moses' thoughts. And the first thing that happens before God speaks, before God tells Moses an assignment, God says something to him. Exodus 3 5. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Before I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, you've got to change. What? you got to take off your shoes. you got to take off your sandals. Now, it's important for you to know something in that context. The fact is this. The sandals actually meant something. Taking off the sandals was a sign of reverence, humility, and respect. You're on holy ground. You respond- Now Moses could have said, you know what, I don't want to take off my sandals. I'm going to go on my merry way. But he takes off his sandals in the action of submitting himself to the word of the Lord. He is emptying himself of his possession of who he is for God. How do I know that? Well, In the cultural context of the removal of sandal, if you go to the story of Ruth, the sandal in the story of Ruth had to do with the uh, relative. If you remember the story, Boaz isn't the closest relative to be the kinsman redeemer or in order to be able to marry Ruth. There is a closer relative that Boaz has to go to. And the man says, listen, I don't want to marry Ruth. I'm going to relinquish my possession of her or my right to Ruth. And by doing so, he removes his sandal to show I am relinquishing this possession. I am giving my right to this possession over to you. Moses is saying something. There's something happening with the removal of his shoes. He is surrendering himself to God. He's willing to receive in exchange that which he has possessed. He gives it over to God, says no longer will I possess, what? Myself. I no longer belong to myself. I belong to you, God. I empty myself. You know what the fact, the problem is, if we hear the voice of God, but we have no intention on letting that word fill us, we have a problem, don't we? See, the fact is this, in this story, we need to watch carefully because Moses is doing something extremely important in the humility that I am relinquishing the plans for my life, the agenda that I had. Listen, he was in the desert in Midian for 40 years. He's relinquished to say, I will receive what you have for me. And what God had for Moses was a greater purpose. Did you know that every believer, God has a greater purpose for your life? So many times we... Maybe in comparison, comparison comparisons of ourselves to other people, and in comparing what we do is we think, God doesn't have a great thing for me because I look at other people. I look at the superstars. I look at the platform people. I look at the YouTube And therefore, God doesn't have something great for me. But I'm telling you, God has something great for your life. God has a great purpose for your life. He is the same God. He has filled you with the Holy Spirit for a purpose. And in Moses' calling... See, the fact is this. So we got to empty ourselves to receive that greater purpose. we got to empty ourselves. Moses did not get the assignment until the sandal came off. A lot of times, you know, Lord, just let me know what you're going to do. And then let me decide, you know. I don't know if it's better than what I already have. No. It's like, you know what? I will reveal it to you after you've emptied yourself. So this is a greater purpose. And, and the fact is, as well, our greater purpose... Is never just about ourselves. Christianity, your faith in the Lord is not just about you. In other words, your faith in the Lord has to do with affecting other people. It has to do with being used by God. Not just you having fire insurance, not going to hell and going to heaven. It's more than that. I mean, Jesus even said that one of the promises that I quoted, and you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can have just this really great life on your own. No, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can affect other people. See, this is the thing. Moses' calling was not just for him. It was for others. He was going to be called to help others. Exodus 3, 7, and 8. This is what he says. God says. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. So watch God's wording. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land okay who's coming down God's coming down how's he doing it choosing you Moses so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land a land flowing with milk and honey period no because guess what In the assignment, you're going to have giants. He doesn't stop with all the good stuff. He says, and the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Listen, the Lord is telling the real story. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of times we expect the journey of God's calling to have no giants in the land. We don't want to know about the enemy. We don't want to know about the opposition. We just want to know that it's good and flowing with milk and honey. But God is a truth teller. And He's saying, guess what? Your, as you step out of faith realize there are giants in the land there are giants in your land but God has never called you and I to run away from giants he has called his children to run towards giants that's what he's telling Moses you're gonna go in and take those giants but how does Moses In order for him to embrace this word, he has to take off his sandal and realize this. It's not just about me. It's about the people. You know what? Who you are right now as a believer, it's not just about you, but it's about all the people around you that don't know they're in captivity. It's about all the people around you, your loved ones, family, neighbors, people that you play sports with, whatever it may be, coworkers see, the fact is this, that you can easily say, you know what? I don't want to step out in faith. But you know what? It's kind of self-centered, isn't it, sometimes? Because it's not just about us. It is about other people. It is about how God wants to use us. And and sometimes in the cultivation of the church and some of the teachings of the church, especially in the West, We can make it all about our individual power rather than saying, you know what? What God is doing in my life has effects on other people. See? It has effects on how other people are going to experience God. If I am willing to take off my shoes and receive the assignment that God has to walk by faith, to get in the front seat with God... What a great journey it is. What an exciting journey that God wants you to have with him, to get in the front seat with him and make a difference in your world. Rather than pointing at all the problems, let's make a difference. But it has to do with us taking off our shoes, saying, you know what, God, all of you for all of me, I'm going to step out in faith. And Moses does that. He receives God's word, steps out in faith, and this is what it says. Exodus 3.10, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? Did you know that God never asked anyone to accomplish his assignment merely on their own resources? Moses is saying And reflecting on his own resources. And many times people say, well, what do I have? I can't do it. Looking at their own resources. Are you falling into the trap of looking at your own resources rather than realizing that God has sent you and God is with you? And that's where Moses is going to have a revelation. Verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. This will be the sign. What is the sign? When you have brought the people out of Egypt, got to the mountain, and worshipped me. That's the sign. It's interesting because that sign is going to be a long time before that sign happens. It doesn't happen right away. Why? Because Moses is not going to walk by sight. He's going to walk by faith. I think it's interesting that God shows the the sign as a delayed response. In other words, you're going to do a lot. You're going to confront Pharaoh. You're going to do a lot before I give you that sign. Because the goal is not in the physical sign. The goal is you stepping out in faith and walking by faith. The Lord is still the same. So many of us want the sign. Oh, if I only had another confirmation. You know what? We get addicted to confirmation. Oh, i got to have another confirmation. i got to have another. i got to know you're with me. i got to, you know, give me a sign. May the sign be that everybody's happy. Everybody's clapping. Everybody's applauding for me. Everybody likes me. That's the sign I want. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's not the sign God gives. First of all, he tells Moses, you're going to have giants in the land, by the way, the land that you're bringing them into. But he also later is going to say to Moses, Pharaoh's going to reject you, by the way. So God goes on and says, you know what, Moses, Exodus 13, he tells them that about who he is, the name of God. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Verse 14, God said to Moses, tell them, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I want you to know you still serve the God who is I am. And the name I am has to do with this that I have dominion over all things. I am the source of all power and I am eternal. You have a God that is with you. And when you obey Him, His dominion is expressed through your obedience. Do you understand? It's unlocked. As you obey him, as Moses obeyed God, God's dominion over Egypt, the power of the the greatest power of the the known world, God's dominion was expressed. His power was expressed. He is eternal. He is the same God. And how was that unlocked? It was unlocked through his servant who obeyed his word. He's the same God. He's the same God today. Exodus 3.15, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. Are you in forever? Yes, you are in the trajectory of forever. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. I am I am is with you. You are that generation. You are the generation to generation. I am is with you. As you step out, as you step out and and you say, you know, I've relinquished my plan for your plan, Lord. As you step out, God says, you know what? I am is with you. As you face the giants, the Lord says, I am is with you. See, because he's the same God. I just feel sometimes Christians disconnect. We serve the same God as Moses served. He is here. He is real. He is the I am for our lives, for our situation, for our challenges. He is the same. He's the one who promised to forefathers and he brings it to pass. That's what he told Moses. Listen, I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that I'd bring the people into the land. I am showing up to fulfill that promise. Don't you know God is showing up to fulfill the promises he has for your life? So it shows forth from generation to generation. For those of you that are parents, for those of you that have relatives, for those of you that have spiritual children, you want them to see the fulfillment of God's promises in your life so that they know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that God brings to pass out which he has spoken. That's the beauty of who we serve from generation to generation. But you know, it's not just about some sort of big event that Moses is going to do, the Red Sea. But there's a lot of baby steps Moses takes. There's a strategy that God gives. Verse 16, go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, appear to me and And said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. You know what God does? He gives a strategy. God's actually very practical. He's practical in telling the true story. This isn't a Disneyland event. This is you're going to face battle. You're going to face the giants. You're going to face Pharaoh. But in it, he gives strategy. You know, many times we want to bypass the small steps. We want to bypass the small obedience. That God is asking. The change that he's asking in our lives. A way for us to obey. You know, uh, part of our history in the U.S. and we're very proud of it is that we had a man on the moon. What was his name? Neil Armstrong, right? You all don't know your history. How about you online? Do you know your history? Well, and what is the statement that he says? What did Neil Armstrong say when he got to the moon? He said this. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. We all, yay, you know, history, yay. Wasn't that cool? Yay, you know, all of that. And it is. It is. But the truth is this. It wasn't just about the moment when Neil Armstrong stepped onto the moon. It was about all the baby steps where thousands of people were involved in making it happen over years of preparation. So many times we're looking for the big thing. I'm looking for the thousands. I'm looking for that big moment when God says, you know what you need to be doing? Obeying my small steps. You know, people, because of our pride, or maybe because of our lack of desire to persevere, we don't want to, st- to remain faithful in the small thing. We want to see the big thing. Even in a church, we want Pastor Lynn, when is revival going to happen? When is, when is this church going to be filled? I'm going to tell you when. When we're faithful in the small things. Because multiplication comes as we're faithful in the small things God gives increase. You know, even with our witness to other people, even with our child, children, some of us have children that may be far away from God or relatives or friends that are far away from the Lord. And we're saying, when is it going to be that big moment? They're going to run through the door and they're going to say, I need God. And we like that. But the fact is, that, you know how it's going to happen? One baby step at a time. You loving them, you being there for them, you embracing them, you praying with them, you answering the phone when they're hurting, you going even when they're cranky or when they're being mean and they, you don't feel they deserve love, you love them. See, it's the small steps. The small steps of obedience is the walk of faith. It's, it, the, the one big step on the moon came from a lot of small steps. And Moses at the Red Sea came from a lot of small steps, the little steps. You know what Moses does later? He's in the desert. He is the, he pens the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And in Deuteronomy 7.22, this is what he writes, Moses writes. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. We want it done in a day. We want it done all at once. Can we just get this baby done so I don't have to persevere? But he says, God says, I'm going to do it little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once. What? You will not be allowed? I will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once? See, we want to pass over this. We're waiting for the big thing. We're waiting for the big moment. And God said, wait, no, this is how, this is my strategy. Or the wild animals will multiply around you, but the Lord your God will deliver them over to you, throwing them into great confusion until they are destroyed. See, in the sense he is saying, I'm giving you increase little by little so that you can learn to handle it. You know what happens when we have increase really fast? Pride, being overwhelmed, not being able to grow with that. It's like the people that get a lot of money at once, we know what happens. They, get, it, they don't know how to manage it. The fact is this, the Lord's saying it's little by little. And many times, you know, we got to wipe away... When the Word of God comes to us, Scripture tells us that the Word of God is living and active, a double-edged sword, and it cuts away things. The fact is that we got to get rid of some of our thought that's very cultural, that magical thinking, that Disneyland world, that Hallmark Channel, it all works out. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. We get in that idea. And the fact is this, that's not the way Scripture writes it. That's not the way it works out. It's little by little learning to handle things. Because God leads us, our walk of faith. God, you know, God is extremely realistic. He's extremely real. He's not into fantasy. He's not into vain imagination. He knows you. He knows me. And he's into being real with us. He tells us the truth about the situation. He says it's not going to be easy. I'm going, there are going to be giants in the land. This is what he says. There's going to be obstacles. Exodus 3:18. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord, our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. In other words, okay, guess what? You're going to be rejected. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders I will perform among them. And after that, he will release you. Expect opposition. Jesus told you to expect opposition. Jesus told us about persecution. Paul writes in the epistles and Peter writes in the epistles about persecution. Jesus said "What of his promises and you will have trouble. But guess what? I have overcome the world. The fact is this, we've got to quit having this great grand disappointment when we face troubles as if we're defeated because a trouble comes rather than saying, oh, this is what God told me will happen, but I am is with me. I am, and we don't run away from the giant. We run towards the giant. See, the fact is, too, is that when we walk by faith, just like Moses did, When we step out in faith, God releases his favor on our lives. He releases his anointing and favor. Exodus 321, and I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards his people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold for her clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. The fact is this. When you function in faith, God's favor and his authority is with you. It's interesting with Moses' story because Moses had questions about stepping out. He has a conversation with God. And God does not reject Moses' questions, he doesn't refuse Moses' questions, he provides answers. To Moses's questions, but when God gives us an answer, we need to accept it. Sometimes we keep asking God because we want a different answer. When God says, um, "There's going to be giants," "There's going to be uh, the king of Egypt that's going to reject you," He's going to give you a hard time. These are the answers. I'm being real with you right now. A lot of times, we just want we want Disneyland. We want smooth sailing. And when we think like that, we actually can interpret in our flesh, it's not God's will for me to do this because there's giants in the land. It's not God's will for me to do this because it's hard, because there's rejection. All along, that's the opposite of the way God works. He lets us know, listen, there's going to be challenges, but I am is with you. And you know what? I'm going to anoint you for this. I'm going to favor you for this. And I'm going to anoint the very thing that you already have in your life. Read it. Exodus 4, 1 through 5. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And say, the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it then the Lord said to him reach out your hand and take it by the tail so Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand this said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord the God of their fathers the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you I'm going to take the very normal thing the shepherd he was a shepherd for 40 years I'm not giving you something else I'm not transposing you into something I'm going to take what has been used by you normally for four decades and I'm going to anoint it and it's going to become powerful. You don't have to become something different than who you are. Just give me who you are and I will anoint it and with my anointing you will do powerful things for me. Some of us think we need to have something else. I need to be something else. I need to have a certain talent. I need to have a certain platform. I need to have a certain job. I need to have certain resources. And the Lord says, you have what you need. Give it to me. I'll anoint it. And you'll part the Red Sea with it because of your faith. This blockbuster Christianity thing, we've got to get over that. The big blockbuster preacher, the big blockbuster church, the big, one, and when God says I want to use the staff in the hand of the shepherd and that's you and me. It's like I'm going to do the big thing through my humble servant. It is said of Moses he was the meekest man on earth. You know why? Because he took off his sandals and said okay. Okay God. Use me. I am. Use me. Rebecca, come on up. What is God calling you to do? I feel today is a burning bush. You can ignore it. You can bypass it. You can keep walking and saying, I don't want change. Or you can say, I thought What's going on there, Lord? What do you got to say to me? And in your response, all of me for all of you, Lord. Change me, Lord. Remember, the story begins with the internal conversation, the conversation between God and Moses. The obedience comes after that. I want you to stand with me. God is calling your name. God is calling you to step out. You say, well, Pastor Lynn, you know I step out. You know I do this. You know know what? There's more. I want to fulfill my promises to you. I want, just like with Egypt, in Egypt, the Israelites being there, the Lord says, I remember my promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I remember. Have you have a promise that God has spoken to you? That the Lord is bringing to your memory right now and saying, I remember what I spoke to you. Do you remember what I said? The Lord is reminding you of his word. I don't forget. That's what I love about God. God. He never forgets. We go on our merry way, and sometimes we put things on the back burner. Many times we do it because we just simply don't want to be surrendered. And the Lord is saying, hello, I'm calling out your name. I'm calling you out. I'm calling your name because I have not forgotten the promises that I made to you. But you got to take off your shoes. You got to take off those shoes. You got to humble yourself. You got to surrender. You got to empty yourself. You got to wipe away what you think it should be and let me fill you with what I want. I'm calling you. You know, in the mess, you think sometimes we can get so discouraged, maybe, by the mess of the world when it's actually an opportunity for the called ones to show up with I am. To free the captives. To free those who are in bondage. The Lord is. Looking for the ones with their sandals off, willing to free the captives. These are exciting times for the church. Israel, the Jews celebrate Passover every year around our Easter time it's kind of different but around that time and it has to do with the meal has to do if you ever have eaten a Seder meal it has to do with all the things that have to do with the story of Israel leaving, being delivered out of Egypt what a powerful story that is and it does symbolize Jesus' blood freeing us from captivity, bringing us into royalty. We thought we were slaves, but we're royalty. But you know what? God's looking for people to be Moses's to say, you know what? willing to walk by faith Moses there'll be a day when you're going to see these people worship at this mountain but guess what you're going to exercise your faith a whole lot before that time because we walk by faith and not by sight. Lord right now let the Holy Spirit just speak to you. everybody's assignment everybody's journey is different You're unique to God's assignment for your life. But I'm going to tell you, in that, He has an assignment. In that, He has a word. In that, He has favor. In that, He has an anointing on the very thing that you think is just normal in your life. God says, let me anoint it. Let me make it powerful. Lord this is a message really on surrender because to walk by faith and not by sight is surrender it's the surrender of our flesh it's the surrender of our control it's the surrender even of plans that we have made ways that we think you should do something and we empty ourselves of that and we surrender to say fill me Lord fill me Lord filming. Let's sing that song, Rebecca. And then we're going to go. generation. I am. Tell them, Moses, tell them, I am has sent you. And you know, today, the Lord says, I am has sent you. Lord, may we respond to you today for some you're reminding us of the words you have spoken to us maybe we've gotten a little bit like Israel in Egypt and you're prodding us out maybe we're a little miserable but we've managed it and Lord uh, that's not the promise (laughs) I want to get you to the destination. Maybe we're looking at what we have and saying, my resources can't do what you've asked me to do. And the Lord says, it's never been about your resources. It's about me. I am. Maybe we're looking at ourselves and seeing our staff. And we've minimized what you can do in the very situation that we're in. The very life you have given to us. We have made you small. When all along, you wanted us to see the staff in our hand to say, I want to anoint the very simple thing, the very thing that you've had for years and years and years. Now, I'm going to anoint it. And now, you're going to function in a different way. I'm not changing where you're at. You're just going to function in a different way now. And by doing so, the changed man or the changed woman changes the atmosphere, changes the circumstance. Not the atmosphere being changed, but we being changed internally change the atmosphere. Lord, for some of us, we need to take off our sandals. We are holding on to the old thing. And you're saying, listen, let's take off the sandals. Not that that was bad. See, Moses had 40 years in the desert and it wasn't the wrong place but now God said I'm going to do something different take off your sandals it's time for you to step in to greater faith but in order for that to happen you've got to relinquish the possession of the old so that you can receive the new oh Holy Spirit You love your people, you love your children, you love Crossroads, you love this house, you love all the partners that are part of this internationally. Lord, you love this house, but I know this, greater things, the greater things. But for us to go there, we've got to take off our shoes. We've got to say, Lord, however, whatever you want. And step in the yes the small things the obedience the little by little you bring increase and Lord you don't want us fearing the giants you don't want us fearing the Pharaoh the king of Egypt you don't want us fearing knowing that it's not going to be a smooth ride and not expecting it to be a smooth ride and Lord may we just crucify that kind of mentality about it being a smooth ride and making an equivalent of God's will being with a smooth ride when that is not scriptural at all, may we crucify that way of thinking. Because Lord, we know that you are glorified in our lives as you defeat the giants. Like David, you want us to run towards Goliath, not run away. Lord, you have given us your Holy Spirit's power to accomplish the assignment. We thank you, Father, for this word in your name. Amen. God bless you. Prayer team, if you can be available here. If you need prayer, please come down. Have a great week with the Lord. Amen.
1: Oh, God, my God.